0: Welcome. We're so glad you joined us for this week's podcast from Pursuit City Church in Corpus Christi, Texas. Our prayer is that you are both encouraged and challenged in your relationship with Jesus. If you need prayer or want to share a story about what God has done in your life, please send an email to amen at pursuitcc.com. Be blessed with today's message. I'm excited about this one. It's been stirring in me for a while. It's called Jawbones and Honeycombs. Yeah, you like that? Jawbones and Honeycombs. We're going to talk about the story of Samson for the next couple of weeks. So I hope you hold on tight. Um, I want to start off by telling a story. Uh, When I was a teenager... My parents, uh, they worked extremely hard. My parents were some of the hardest working people I've ever met. I think that's where I got some of my work ethic from. I just saw them working all the time. I can tell you for sure, growing up, me and my mom would get in her truck at 5.30 in the morning, and she would drop me off by 6 at school, and she would go to work and be at work before 6.30. That was my life every day. Uh, Anybody feel me on that? Anybody been there? No, I'm on by myself. Two people. Okay, two people. Waking up super early just to get to school so she can get to work, so she can do everything she needs to do before they open the store. Just seeing that work ethic, right? And so they worked so hard that they never really took time off. But when they did, it was always like two weeks and an amazing vacation. And we just left. I mean, we, we would go you know, different places throughout the country. And one time they took me to Mexico. Now I just had a fun conversation earlier. I don't speak Spanish. I know I'm brown, but I don't speak Spanish. I'm a coconut. Okay. I'm as coconut as you can get. Anybody feel me on that? Okay. My brother back there. Yep. (laughs) It just look good on the outside, but I'm, you know, different color on the inside. Um, and I, I tell you what, they took me to Mexico, this, this beautiful spot in Monsanillo, Mexico. Anybody ever heard of Monsanillo, Mexico? If you ever go, they got the best burgers on the beach, man. Best burgers in the world, I kid you not. Monsenillo, Mexico, this is not the Gulf side, okay, not the toilet bowl side. This is the Pacific side, the nice side, where the blue water is, right? Not, not, not the Gulf of Mexico side, not the toilet bowl side, okay, the nice side, okay? The water's like as blue as this carpet. It's beautiful, and this is blue. I mean, this is blue. And I remember renting a jet ski. I said, yeah, I want to rent a jet ski. They want to say, what do you want to do today? I was like, ah, well, let's go get on a jet ski. They didn't like doing it. They, they tried it a few times, and it was too much for them. So I got to go by myself, and I'm like 13, 12, something. I can't remember. I was, I was a teenager, I think. And I remember the guy telling me, whatever you do, just don't ride along the coastline stay in the bay, don't ride along the coastline, the waves are too big. In the back of my head, I was thinking, yeah, right, dude, you don't know how many times I've been on a jet ski. He's just thinking I'm some punk kid, I don't know anything. And so, you know, in the back of my mind, I'm already planning, guess where I'm going? I'm going to the coastline, you know? And so sure enough, I'm out in the bay a little bit, I'm like, dude, this is boring, I need to go to the coastline. So guess where I head to? And I get out there. Man, the waves are awesome. And I'm jumping. on. I mean, it's beautiful. And I even see some families on the shore. And there's some kids. And they're cheering me on. Yeah! Because they see me jumping a wave. They're like, yeah! And they're yelling at me in Spanish. Like that. And... uh <laughs> And uh, I was just having a blast. But what I didn't know, which is probably what they knew, and they just didn't tell me because they gave me an instruction, and that's all it should have been, right? Like, they shouldn't have had to tell me why. They just should have me, don't do it, and I should have just obeyed. But I didn't because I was a little bit of a rebel back then. Back then. <laughs> and um, the weather changed like that. I'm talking... I've never seen weather change so quickly. And a storm rolled in out of nowhere. I mean, the sky was blue. The water was blue. And then all of a sudden, it was just black. And next thing you know, those waves got double the size they used to be. And I said, oh, this is going to be fun getting out of this little thing. So there I go. And I try and jump it. Knocks me over. And the way the jet skis work is they got those little wristbands and there's a key on the jet ski. And if you disconnect, it turns off the jet ski. So I'm floating around just being tossed all over the place and the jet ski is doing the same thing. And I finally find it and I get back on the jet ski and another wave before I could even start the thing. Another wave. I mean, they were coming. And literally three, four times, I'm trying to get on the jet ski. And finally, one of those times, the jet ski lands on my knee. I still have the scar. I was bleeding in the Pacific Ocean. Can someone say shark week? Okay. I said, I need to get out this water. I got to the beach, and the jet ski just floated up on the beach. I mean, that's how buoyant it is. It just got thrown up on the beach. So I'm just there, and I'm like, man, how do I get this thing started again? And I'm limping, I'm bleeding, and now the kids are just like, what's going on? They're looking at me like, you know, he's going to die. And so I'm just there like, okay, let me try and get it. And so I got back in the water a little bit, and I, I couldn't get the thing started. It was struggling. Finally, I get it going. I get out there. No, can't do it. I said, this is, this is, I'm done. I got to get back to the hotel. I got to find someone. So I jogged like a mile or two. I don't even know how far it was. I had to jog all along the coastline to go back to the hotel, kind of curved like this. And I was yelling at them, hey, hey, jet ski, jet ski, because they don't understand me. And I don't understand them. I'm like, vroom, 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 vroom. And then I guess they got the picture. So they got a couple guys in a boat to come help. Well, I've been gone an hour and a half. I rented the jet ski for 30 minutes. So by this time, my mom was panicking. She's losing it. She's crying. She's like, Where's my son? And all she sees is three guys jumping a boat with a rope and a black bag. <laughs> they think I'm dead, y'all. <laughs> like, they think they're going to get a body. Like that's, that's what they thought. All they saw was a rope and a black bag. And they're like, what's that for? They didn't know I had called them from the shoreline. They didn't know I was out there. They just knew that I wasn't back yet. And the guys were leaving to go get somebody that was in trouble. <laughs> The guy shows up, and I mean, and they know how to do this stuff a lot easier than I did, you know, so they figured it out, and they revved it up, and boom! I mean, he just jumped. I mean, I've never seen a jet ski go, go so high in my life. That thing went like 20 feet in the air, and boom, and I was like, wow, and I had to walk back to the, to the hotel, and I got an earful. <laughs> Good thing is the jet ski wasn't broken, it just had got a little water in it, and then, got flushed out, so everything was all good. But man, was that a long walk back to the hotel room. I heard it from my parents. I heard it, and I heard it, and I heard it. There was always a side of me when I was a kid where I thought I knew better. Anybody relate to that? I was the daredevil. I was the guy that when my mom sent me to summer camp, I was the one that decided to go bungee jumping at summer camp. Jumping off a 100-foot hundred hundred foot bungee jump, you know, because for fun, right? <laughs> like, that's me. I love doing crazy stuff. If my wife would let me, I'd be skydiving right now. Like, that's just me, but it ain't happening. And I, I, I remember that side of myself, and I still see that side of myself. Obviously, things change as you get older, but not so much changes. You just kind of learn to... Mature with it. And I see that, and then I see Samson in the story that we're going to read in a moment. And I see someone who always thinks he knows better. Who always thinks he's got a better idea and got a better plan. Anybody relate to that? So I want to pick up right here in Judges 14. Now, if you don't know, there's a lot we could talk about on who the judges were different people that God selected to help Israel get through some hard times. Samson just happens to be an individual that God gave some supernatural strength to. Every judge had a different quality, a different character to them. Samson's quality was his strength. For those of you kids that remember anything about the story of Samson is that he had long hair and he had strength. As soon as he cut his hair all his strength went away. That was his secret sauce, right? That's that's what made him strong. It was his hair. Was it really his hair, though? We don't know. It was more like the Spirit of God, right? It was about obedience. And we can go all into that. But the the quick, short story of Samson is that he was told as a young man, if he was going to serve God the right way, that he should never touch anything dead, he should never cut his hair, and he should never drink wine. There were some rules that God placed on his life. There were some some stipulations that were placed on his life. And he had to honor those things if he was going to hold on to what God gave him that was special. So in Judges 14, we see one day, in verse 1, one day when Samson was in Timnah and the the Philistines' women caught his eye, when he returned home, he told his father and mother, a young Philistine woman in Timnah caught my eye. I want to marry her. Go get her for me. His father and mother objected. Isn't there even one woman in our tribe or among the Israelites you could marry? They asked, why must you go to the pagan Philistines to find a wife? But Samson told his father, get her for me. She looks good to me. His father and mother didn't realize that the Lord was at work in this. Creating an opportunity to work against the Philistines who ruled over Israel at that time. As Samson and his parents were going down to Timnah, a young lion suddenly attacked Samson near the vineyards of Timnah. At that moment, the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon him and he ripped the lion's jaws apart with his bare hands. You like that, kids? He ripped the lion's jaws apart with his bare hands. Who cares about those teeth? Samson's hands were stronger than those teeth. He did it as easily as if it were a young goat, but he didn't tell his father or his mother about it. When Samson arrived in Timnah, he talked with the woman, and he was very pleased with her. Later, he returned to Timnah for the wedding. He turned off the path to look at the carcass of the lion, the same one that he killed. And he found that a swarm of bees had made some honey in the carcass. He scooped some of the honey into his hands and ate it along the way. He also gave some to his father and mother, and they ate it. But he didn't tell them he had taken the honey from the carcass of the lion. Remember, he's not supposed to touch anything dead. As his father was making final arrangements for the marriage, Samson threw a party at Timna, as was the custom for elite young men. When the bride's parents saw him, they selected 30 young men from the town to be his companions. Samson said to them, "'Let me tell you a riddle. If you solve my riddle during the seven days of celebration, I will give you 30 fine linen robes and 30 sets of festive clothing. But if you can't solve it, then you must give me 30 fine linen robes and 30 sets of festive clothing.'" all right, they agreed, let's hear your riddle. So he said, out of the one who eats came something sweet, something to eat, out of the strong came something sweet. Three days later, they were still trying to figure it out. On the fourth day, they said to Samson's wife, entice your husband to explain the riddle for us, or we'll burn down your father's house with you in it. Did you invite us to this party just to make us poor? So Samson's wife came to him in tears and said, you don't love me. You hate me. You have given my people a riddle, but you haven't told me the answer. I haven't even given the answer to my father or mother, he replied. Why should I tell you? So she cried whenever she she was with him and kept it up for the rest of the celebration. At last, on the seventh day, he told her the answer because she was tormenting him with her nagging. Then she explained the riddle to the young men. So before sunset, on the seventh day, the men of the town came to Samson with their answer, what is sweeter than honey and what is stronger than a lion? Samson replied, if you hadn't plowed with my heifer, you wouldn't have solved my riddle. And the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon him. He went down to the town of Ashkelon, killed 30 men, took their belongings, and gave their clothing to the men who had solved his riddle. But Samson was furious about what had happened, and he went back home to live with his father and mother. So his wife was given in marriage to the man who had been Samson's best man at the wedding. Crazy story. Absolutely crazy story. This marriage lasted exactly One week. Everything about this story screams that Samson could not control his impulses. Everything about this story yells at me that Samson could not control the urges he had. Every single one of us, no matter how young, how old, we all have urges. We all have impulses. Right? There are things that you want to say that you shouldn't say that you should hold back. Anybody feel me on that one? Things you want to post, but you shouldn't post, and you better not post, right? That's, mm, I'm, I'm going to stop there. Like, we all have impulses, right? Things that we know we shouldn't do, like take a jet ski out for an hour and a half and crash it. Like, we just shouldn't do that. We're not supposed to ride along the shoreline, we're supposed to stay in the bay. Amen. If you can't say amen, say ouch, right? Like, there's a natural side of my history that was a little rebellious, and I can totally relate to this, because rebellion is bred from impulses. We all have them. Some of of us choose not to obey our impulses. Some of us are better at suppressing those impulses. We all have them. We all struggle with them. But can you, can you control the sinful impulses? That's the question. See, I don't know where you come from, but I didn't grow up. I grew up a very, a very blessed life, a very safe, secure life. And I didn't grow up around drugs. I didn't grow up around alcohol. I didn't grow up around fighting and bickering. I didn't grow up around that life. That just wasn't where I came from. There were so many people that that, that's where they came from. That was their life. That's that's where their struggle was, their household, their upbringing. And it taught them all these things they wish they would have never learned. And they saw all this stuff they wish they would have never saw. That just simply wasn't my life. So my impulses are completely different from yours. My struggles are completely different from your struggles. So wherever you come from, whatever the struggle is, whatever the impulses are, the question still remains. The issue still remains. Can you control the sinful impulses? Because we all have them. There are things we know we shouldn't do. There are things we know we shouldn't say. There are relationships we know we shouldn't have. There are things we know we shouldn't watch. Yet our impulses find their way to rise at the right time. And it's up to us. You know what I find interesting about the story of Samson? His impulses pretty much dominated him. He had no control. He knew exactly what he was supposed to do. He knew exactly what he was not to do. He just always did what he wanted. He didn't listen to his parents. He didn't listen to God. And what's crazy is God still used him. So understand something quickly. As a Christian, if you serve God, he's still going to use your life, whether you like it or not. Even in your rebellion, he will use your life because through it, he will teach you. He will show you. Samson eventually learns, and he had to learn the long, hard way. That God was using him even in his state of rebellion. Even though he wasn't supposed to marry a Philistine, God used that relationship. It destroyed him, but it helped the nation. But I hope you don't settle like Samson. Because Samson was great in that he accomplished what God wanted him to accomplish as a judge. But he was a horrible failure privately. I think Samson settled on the fact that he could get by with his natural strength and didn't have to follow all the rules because he was special. He was important. Some of you think you're more important and you're special. I'm trying to do my best, Jim Carrey. No, not happening. <laughs> now you get it. <laughs> It doesn't matter how special you think you are or how different you think you are. We all should follow God's lead. And unfortunately, Samson followed his abilities over everything else. He followed those impulses and he leaned on them so much that he settled for just being a good judge and a horrible person. he ultimately dies in that situation and we'll get there next week but the question still remains how can i control sinful impulses can we even control them let's read james 1:14 in the book of james it says temptation comes from our own desires which entice us and drag us away part of the human condition is to feel impulses and part of the christian life is to control them temptation does not come from the enemy alone temptation comes from our own desires i heard someone say this yesterday we were watching a documentary and they said the reason why we fall into temptation is because we love sin I said oh ouch it's true it wouldn't be a temptation if we didn't like it if we don't like something it has no phase on us but if we like something it's a temptation and we all have different temptations we all have different struggles we all have different impulses and temptation comes from our own desires, which entice us and drag us away. If we let temptation win, it will drag you away. You ever notice someone slipping? Like they're slipping. You can tell they're slipping. It's because they said yes to the wrong thing too many times. Samson was a man of raging impulses. And he let The impulse dominate his life. Impulse control has always been a struggle since the fall. We see this in Eve. She saw something. It looked good to her. She thought she liked it. It was desirable. And her desires ultimately led to her impulse of eating the forbidden fruit. Our impulses can cloud our judgment. They can cloud our commitments. They can cloud our common sense. And sometimes our impulses give us the feeling like we have no option. We, if we fall into that temptation too long, you start to feel trapped. You start to feel like you have no option, like this is just who you are, and this is who you'll always be, and you'll never get rid of this. Sometimes we have impulses to buy some stuff, crazy purchases. Anybody know what I'm talking about there? If you can't say amen, say ouch. Some of us, our impulses to overeat. Don't judge me. (laughs) And there are many other things we shouldn't do. Right now, we have riots going on because of impulses. There's a lot of hurt in our world right now because of impulses. There's another incident Friday night because of impulses. It's a big deal. I want to read this scripture, Proverbs 25, 28. It says this. A person without self-control is like a city with broken down walls. Let's break this scripture down for a second. First of all, a person without self-control tells me that you can have self-control that you can have control. You need to tell yourself that I can have control. A person without self-control is like a city with broken down walls. I'm going to tell you something. If someone builds walls around their city, they're trying to keep people out. They're trying to keep stuff out. Right? And, and in those days, it was it was their first line of defense was their walls. And the higher the walls, the safer they were. Right? The higher the walls, the safer they were. And so imagine having a city with 50-foot walls and they're all broken down. Pointless. No protection. Just letting everything in. Every impulse takes over. Every impulse has control. Every impulse has a way in because you don't have any walls around you. Self-control... Are the walls for your city. They're the walls that guard you. They're what keep you centered. They're what keep you safe. Self control is what you need. Samson saw a Philistine woman. He wanted to marry her and he married her. He didn't care what his parents said, he didn't care about their objections. And guess what? The marriage lasted seven days. Impulses. He found honey and he ate the honey. Even though in the process he had to break his vow. He defiled himself. He broke his vow because he wanted something to eat. He could not wait. Impulse. And of course, which we'll read more about next week, he could not say no to women. He could not say no to Delilah He couldn't say no to his first wife. That's why he kept losing, ultimately. Impulses. Ironically, Samson is known for his strength. (laughs) He was so strong, he couldn't control himself. It goes to prove that your flesh is not... Your ally. Your flesh is not your ally. Your flesh is not your friend. The Bible says that our flesh is always at war with God. We, (laughs) our sinful nature, our human nature, truly is at war with God at all times. It is not your friend. It's a spiritual battle. And it must be one spiritually. 2 Corinthians 5.16 says this. So we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. Man, do we need this scripture right now. So we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. At one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view. How differently. We know him now. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. The new life has begun. I want to camp out. Leave that up, Eric. I want to camp out here for a second. Our society is fighting over skin color. We are fighting over our history, which, by the way, is a very dark history in America. But we're still fighting over our humanity. And I think that's the problem. We need to be more like what Paul says to the Corinthians. We need to stop looking at each other from a human point of view. We are created in the image of God. We are so much more than flesh and bones. And by dwindling things down to the color of our skin, we actually diminish the image of God. Because we are more than our skin. And unfortunately, there are people out there who will hate another person for the color of their skin. And it makes no sense Because everyone's trying to walk around to dignify their own humanity when Christ is calling us to look beyond our humanity. We are image bearers, we are truly the sons and daughters of God. The Bible says, How can you say you love God and hate your brother? Let that sink in. Because no matter what side of the fence you are on, one side will always have a measure of hatred for the other. And that's the hard truth. We have to understand that if we're truly going to love each other, we have to look beyond what our human eyes tell us. So we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. At one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view. How differently we know him now. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. Someone say new person. The old life is gone. The new life has begun. When you come to Jesus, when you come to Christ, when you say yes to a relationship with him, you are saying bye to yourself. You are saying goodbye and good riddance to yourself. You are saying adios, Vato, I'm not seeing you no more. And you're saying bye to all the rebellion, all the issues, all the impulses, all the struggles, everything that has held you back since you were a child trying to weigh you down. All the humanity in you has to go. Because your flesh is not your ally. As believers, we are made new. Somebody say, new. We are made new. It means you are not the same as you once were. We are no longer bound to our sinful natures. Man, I don't know if I gave you the scripture or not. I know I thought about it earlier. <laughs> I don't know if I put it in there. I can't remember. But there's a scripture, man, I think it's Matthew 12. It's, it's, it's incredible because Jesus is talking to, to people about deliverance. And he's talking to people who uh, suffered from demonic oppression. He's talking to people who had issues that, that they could not break free from. And he, you know, this is where we get the, the idea, whom the sun sets free is free indeed, right? He's talking about the fact that they're free, right? But then he says something very interesting. He says, but let me tell you something. Those spirits that leave you. You're delivered. You're set free. It's gone. You're made new. You're whole. But they go into the desert, and they try to find a home, and they find no home. And then they come back to the same place they left, and they see that the door is open. And they come back seven times stronger because the door's open. You know what that tells me? Jesus has no problem setting you free. But it is completely up to you to stay free. It is completely up to you to have self-control. To put up the walls spiritually around the areas you know you are weak in. And say, bye, Felicia. Hashtag. Preach my message, please. Help me out. (laughs) We should work from a foundation of truth. When we know the truth, we can more easily dismiss the impulses. Because the impulse only wants to lead you to falsehood. When you know the truth, you can push away the impulses. The Bible says that we can take every thought captive. Do you know that? We can take every thought captive. How many of you struggle sometimes just thinking stuff you shouldn't be thinking? Thinking how many different ways you could, you know, make someone look bad? <laughs> think of how many different things you could say right now? Like, we think stuff we shouldn't be thinking. And the Bible says that we can take captive those thoughts. The problem is we don't take them captive. We dwell on them, and we, we stew in them, and we sit, and we wallow, and we think, and we ponder and, until we get all frustrated and internalize everything. And we don't really deal with anything. Then we wonder why we blow up on people. We wonder why you blow up on the next person, right? But the Bible says you should take every thought captive. Have the mind of Christ what does that mean? Do you think that Jesus allows his mind to be controlled? Do you think that anything has power over the mind of Christ? And if the Bible says that we should have the mind of Christ, that we should have, take every thought captive, that means that you should not let anything dominate your mind. That is not from above and this is the struggle this is the hard part this is that ebb and flow this is that that issue of our human condition we constantly struggle in our mind that's where the battle is your body is going to fall apart one day you're going to grow up you're going to become 90 years old and your mind's going to be there your arm may not be able to move but your mind's still working i may not be able to get myself up out of this bed but i can think about it right like your mind will still function even if your body can't function Your deliverance is in God's hands, but staying free is your choice. Staying free is up to you. It's your choice because Christ gives you the answer. It's up to you to follow through with it. He said, whom the son sets free is free indeed. He don't make mistakes. If he sets you free, you're free. The problem is you leaving doors open. You're leaving walls down. The Bible actually calls us overcomers. It calls us the righteousness of God. We are more powerful than we think. And we should never be at the mercy of our impulses. I wonder. I'm almost done, I promise. I wonder What Samson would have been if he had more self-control. I wonder how many more stories we would have heard. I wonder how many more people he would have saved. I wonder how much longer he would have ruled as judge. Like, I wonder if his life was cut short to the point that we don't even know what his full potential was. My hope and prayer for you is that you live life to your fullest potential. God has called each and every single one of you to do something for the kingdom. Not all the same thing. My gift is different from your gift. There are plenty of things that I'm not good at that you might be good at. And you are needed in the kingdom. But I wonder if we sell ourselves short because we fall too much into our impulses. And when we fall too much into our impulses, we feel defeated and we feel disqualified. And we feel like we're not good enough to serve in the church. And we feel like we're not good enough to be in God's house. And so we stop showing up and we start slipping and we start slipping and we start slipping to the point that we no longer feel like we're supposed to be around the church. We're supposed to be around the people of God. And we start telling ourselves things that have nothing to do with the truth. And we start letting our impulses dominate our thinking. Yet the Bible calls us overcomers. Calls us people who are able and capable of accomplishing anything through God. The point is this. You will see a victory if you follow him and leave your impulses aside. This is the last point about Samson I'll make. In Judges 15, verse 14, it says, As Samson arrived at Lehi, the Philistines came shouting in triumph. But the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon Samson. And he snapped the ropes. They had tied him up because he agreed. And he said, fine, go ahead and take me away. They had tied him up with new ropes. And he snapped the ropes in his arms as if they were burnt strands of flax. And they fell off his wrist. The dude was extremely strong. They, then he found the jawbone of a recently killed donkey. He picked it up, and he killed 1,000 Philistines with it. Then Samson said, With the jawbone of a donkey, I've piled them in heaps. With the jawbone of a donkey, I've killed a 1,000 men. Verse 17. When he finished his boasting, he threw away the jawbone, and then placed a name, and then they placed, was named, Jawbone Hill. How about that first song title? Jawbone Hill. This dude liked to rap. He liked to rhyme. He liked to make riddles. But what is so interesting, and I don't know if you caught it, and I wonder if that's our problem. That we don't catch certain things because we're too used to our impulses and our humanity that we don't see the problem with what we just read. First thing that happens to Samson in this situation is the Spirit of the Lord came upon him. I don't know about you, but I remember the first time that I actually felt the Spirit of the Lord. I I felt the presence of God. I was blown away. I could not believe what I was feeling. I, I thought for sure God wasn't even real. And then I felt him. I experienced him. I said, whoa. The Spirit of the Lord comes upon Samson. And he does all this stuff. But who does Samson give the credit to? He stands there. And he boasts about all he's done. He boasts about his capabilities and his strength, as if he put his strength into himself. He stands there in utter pride and says, with the jawbone of a donkey, I piled them in heaps. He claims all all the rights. He claims all the responsibility. He claims all the credit. And I think that's the problem with us. When things are going great, we sometimes forget that that was all God and not us. And when things are going bad, guess who we blame? Where are you, God? How come you didn't do this, God? I'm so disappointed, God. We start blaming God. We start questioning God. Why, God? Like, You're trying to take credit when he does something for you, and then you're trying to give him credit when things go wrong. makes no sense. But this is what Samson did. This is what a person who can't control their impulse does. They don't know how to take blame for anything wrong, just the credit for everything right. Final scripture. Galatians 5.23. Y'all like this cup? Somebody made me that for my birthday. Can't have it. Not for sale. It's pretty nice. It got my name on it, so back off. The book of Galatians chapter 5. Hopefully this helps tie this in together. book of galatians chapter 5 verse 22 it says but the holy spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives are you ready love joy peace patience kindness gentleness faithfulness sorry goodness uh, faithfulness gentleness and self-control See, some of y'all thought, really? Can you really control the impulses? I mean, because in your mind, in your human mind, you're thinking, I have no control. But you forgot about this Holy Spirit. You forgot about the fact that the Holy Spirit gives you something in return for spending time with him, and it's called the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit aren't plural, It's one big giant fruit, guys. You don't just get whatever you want from the Holy Spirit. You get what he gives you. That's what the scripture says. There are gifts of the Spirit. Play whenever you're ready, homeboy. There are gifts of the Spirit. I need some keyboard. And the Bible says that you don't get to choose your gift. That the Spirit gives as He wills it. You don't get to walk up to the Holy Spirit and say, I want this gift. I want that gift. I want the gift of prophecy. I want the gift of preaching. You get what the Holy Spirit gives you. And when you spend time in the presence of God the Holy Spirit begins to deposit things. Namely, the fruit of the Spirit. Because how dare we think God would give us a gift and not give us the equipment to support it. If you want a gift to preach, to sing, to speak in tongues, to pray, to prophesy, all these things, all great things. The Bible says that they should be in the church and they should function in the church. But it is not up to you on what you get. It's not a menu. It's the Spirit of God. Samson did not choose to be strong. God gave that to him. Samson chose to be prideful. You have the choice on what you do with what God gives you. The Bible says that the gifts of God are without repentance. means he won't take it back. That's why Whitney Houston, God bless her, rest her soul, she could sing. She could make you cry singing the national anthem at the Super Bowl. She chose to use her gift her way, but that was definitely from the Lord. Nobody else could give that to her. It's up to you. What you choose to do with what God gives you. And I'm telling you this morning, when you spend time with the Lord, you get this big giant super fruit. Let's read that again. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. This is a promise. This is the real deal. This is the real thing. You want more of this? Spend more time with God. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. How do I control these impulses? How do I control these desires? How do I defeat these temptations? Get more fruit in your life. Spend more time with the Lord. Learn what it means to study the scriptures. Bill Gates calling me to donate some money or what? I don't know. We need some of that. You got his number? Just asking. Just asking for a friend. We need more of that. We need more of that fruit. We need more of this stuff and less of our own humanity. Listen, our world has no answer for our troubles. There's not a politician alive that has answer for our troubles. There's not a government system that someone could create that can answer all these troubles. The only thing that can answer these troubles is more of the fruit of the Spirit because it contains everything we need to defeat our humanity. We need more of the Holy Spirit in our lives. How do you stay free? How do you defeat these temptations? How do you kill these impulses? You need more of the Holy Spirit in your life. In order to get the equipment you need. See, Ramon can't play the bass without a bass. I mean, he could try. He could probably go, do 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 like, He could try. But he can't really do it effectively. We won't be able to hear him. It's not going to come through the system. Like, He needs the right equipment. And even with just the bass alone, you, that's not all we need. We need the cable. Then we need that expensive stage box over there. Then we need that cable that goes all the way over there we need that soundboard then we need these speakers like there's so much we need just so we can hear one person you need equipment and you don't just need one little thing you need the whole package baby you need everything you need the fruit of the spirit and you don't get it by accident you don't get it just because you come to church on sunday you get it because you go after him You want more self-control? Let's stand. If you want more self-control, you have to learn to yield to Jesus. You have to learn to yield to His presence. Father, I pray right now For every person that's here and they're fighting something, they're struggling with something, they're battling, they don't know how to say no. I pray right now that we would yield ourselves to you. Come on, just take a moment right now. No matter where you are, whatever may be going on in your life, just take a moment and yield to him. Just pause for a second and just talk to him and just tell him, I need more of you and less of me. More of you, God, less of me. It's so simple, but it's the right thing. If you're here this morning and you know you need that, that change in your life, you know you need to get past your own pride, you know that you need a deeper rooted relationship with the Lord, I want you to take a step of faith and I want you to come down here to this altar. I want to pray with you as we worship, as we sing. Anybody here, just take your step. Thank you for joining us this week. Our vision is to plant churches that are life-changing. If you would like to support this ministry, you can easily do so by visiting our website, PursuitCC.com. Also, follow us on all social media outlets using at PursuitCC. Have a blessed day.